Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Hey, hey, and welcome to Maximize Your Influence. This is Kurt Mortensen. Steve Olson's still on a hiatus. Not sure where he's at, but we will track him down. This is episode 191, as we talked about the power of influence and changing lives and getting other people to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it. So I'm just getting back from doing a three-day in St. Louis. A lot of fun, good group. We talked about influence and leadership and had a lot of fun. <laughs> and I made a mistake I'd never made before. It, uh, I'm just surprised it hasn't happened more often than it does. I'm an Avis guy. usually rent with Avis. That's just what I've always done. But uh, this company rents with Hertz. <laughs> and I returned my Hertz car to Avis, and it didn't turn out so well. So do not recommend that. We ironed it all out, but uh, had some strange looks. And had some challenges get through all their mazes and all their little things that pop tires if you go the wrong way. I'm not even sure what those are called. But uh, if you do, let me know. You can reach me at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So let's do our friend Urkel. We're getting more requests for Urkel for the geeky article. Urkel, go. <laughs> All right. This one was posted on CNN from the Center of Internet and Technology Addiction. I've heard a lot about addictions a lot lately, and I've always talked about subconscious triggers and why we do what we do. And there's something about when we hear that ping that we want to look at our phone, even when we're driving. And there been some studies done by uh, Dr. Greenfield, he's the University of Connecticut School of Medicine, that these smartphones are affecting our brains when we're not even aware of it. When you hear that ping, there's a high burst of dopamine that is released, which is a reward. And that same dopamine can come across from eating, any type of pleasurable activity, drugs, or even alcohol. This dopamine's being released and this is what's freaking us out. We think we're going to miss out with the, the FOMO, the fear of missing out, the dopamine's being released, and it can be a big, big challenge. And the interesting thing, he says, is that willpower alone won't solve the problem. <laughs> Just like being a diet and not thinking of the french fries or the cake or the other things, it's very, very addictive. And so is the world of persuasion and influence. Is it addictive? Yeah, well, some things we do. We don't even know why we do. The more we understand the human brain and why we do what we do and our ability to persuade and influence, those are key factors that can make a big difference. So be aware. Careful of that dopamine. And don't be distracted. The best thing to do is turn it completely off. And I know that's hard, but that was one of the things that he recommends in his study. So let's start off with some listener email. Got a question here I think everyone's going to be interested in. This is from Brad. And just to paraphrase, he loves the show. Thanks for listening, Brad. Appreciate that. Tell all your friends, of course, that in his meetings, there's always someone that's cutting them off. There's someone that's always asking the wrong questions, taking them off course. Sometimes people get out of control. Some people are always trying to prove their worth. And he mentioned a bullet of these things that are happening, and I feel sorry for you. My term is audience control or, or handling the heckler. And a heckler is anybody or anything that throws you off course that causes you to lose control, and it's real. As a persuader, as an influencer, as a presenter, 
as a teacher, anybody, if somebody throws you off course and you let them and you lose control, you've lost your ability to persuade and influence. It's critical that you understand what heckling is and what's going on. So let's talk about heckling. Now this is a skill that will change your life. Now as you know, I teach at a university level. One of the classes I teach is persuasive presentations. And the last speech of the year, we bring in a heckler from the National Heckling Federation. <laughs> they At least they believe me, or at least some of them do. Because we teach them how to deal with it and how to handle it because it makes all the difference. Because if you lose control, if you get upset, if you get angry, if you start yelling, if you start crying, if you pass out, you're going to lose a lot of credibility, and that's going to be a challenge. And a lot of people are going to try to make you look bad. There's two different types of heckling. There is the venom heckle, just being mean and wanting you to look bad. Then there's the clueless heckle. They're just missing some filters, talking on a cell phone, falling asleep, crying baby. So that's what heckling is, any type of disruption. In politics, they call it bracketing, right? It's something they send people and pay people to do. When does it happen? Well, usually in meetings or someone's having a bad day or someone has a low self-esteem or they don't like you. That's all possible. Why do they do it? A lot of times it's for attention. It could be fun for them. They could be clueless. Maybe it's resentment. But you have to treat it a lot like teasing, adult teasing. I mean, think about the people you tease growing up. You tease them because you wanted a reaction. If you don't get a reaction, it's no fun. And so there are different stages of heckling. You have to really understand how this works and how it escalates. Because too many times, if you handle it the right way, it's going to go south on you. It's going to end very badly. Like the college professor who was getting heckled by a student. Going back and forth, the professor was getting mad and said something kind of mean. And the student says, hey, wait a minute, don't have a cow. And she looked at him and says, I don't have a cow. I'm a full professor. I'll always be smarter than you. And you're like, woo. Now, that's probably what she felt. And yeah, but no one's going to forget that experience. Everyone's always going to remember that. So you got to be very, very careful. Because this could happen by coworkers, angry people, the environment, all these things can affect this. Heavy, heavy meals, an open bar can increase heckling. And you got to stay in control. I was talking to another professional speaker who was getting heckled by this older man. He was obviously drinking too much. And he said, hey, just leave. You're not listening anyway. And he left. And so did everyone else because it was the CEO. There was a tragedy in his family a, a few weeks earlier that he wasn't aware of and yeah, did not work out for well. I'm wondering if he even got paid for that. <laughs> we have to stay in control. So let's talk about some of the basics here. What do you do with the annoying questions or the mean questions or the person that's trying to put you on the spot or trying to see what you really know? What I like to do is smile. Let them know that it's not getting to you. Pause. Maybe sometimes you want to ignore it. Maybe you could respond with humor. They might be looking for attention. Give them a little attention. Don't let them know that it's getting to you. Make sure in your audience, the people you're talking to, you're not letting their blood sugar drop. They're having their caffeine breaks. And really stay in control. It might just be a glance at them or say, can you repeat that? They didn't hear you. They're like, oh, was it important? Is what usually happens. Or any type of humor that you can use can work very well. This is just the initial stages. It's not a big deal. You're not letting it get to you. If you want to go to YouTube or Google the most famous political heckle, of all time goes to Ronald Reagan. He was like 80 years old, and and it was a debate. It was obviously a one-sided debate because the debaters like, you're going to be the oldest president ever. Some people say you're tired. You know, it's just kind of getting him on his age. And Reagan just smiled and said, yeah, you know, 
I'm not going to make the youth and inexperience of my opponent an issue in this race. <laughs> Everyone laughed, diffused the situation, and they moved on. Don't let them know that it's getting to you. If there's a baby crying and it's bothering everybody, you say, shut the baby up! Yeah, the interesting thing is, is you said what everyone was thinking, but now you're the bad person. So you got to be very careful. I know naturally you want to attack these people. It's not nice. It's not fair. They shouldn't be doing it. I agree. I agree. The critical thing is you're not showing them that it's getting to you. I mean, even when someone has a heart attack. I had a girl in my class pass out this last week. Right? You're in charge. You're in control. Did a fire alarm go off? Bad food, temperature, equipment failure. I've had people trip over the cord of my laptop, knock it over, and break it, right? How do you deal with those? How do you handle that? You're in control. You try not to get upset or at least show that you're upset. <laughs> that can be a challenge. Uh, this teaching this uh, seminar in San Francisco, a beautiful girl in a bikini just comes walking in. So, oh, I say, hey, I'm here to learn. We're like, okay, take a seat. Or a polka band next door. Or a beached boat in uh, Florida. Or a wedding that starts next door. Okay, these are things you just deal with, you roll with. These are all stage one. Smile, pause, ignore, try to solve them. Respond with humor, whatever you need to do. But this is the thing. Don't let them know that it's getting to you. All right? Now, if it progresses from stage one to stage two, it's getting a little worse. One of the first things you do is you don't want them to be anonymous. When people are anonymous, they tend to heckle more. Have them stand up, introduce themselves, repeat their questions. Maybe you can pull them aside at the break. Hey, I'm enjoying your comments, or maybe you're not, or interesting takes on what you're saying, however you want to phrase that, and say, hey, can I tell you what, can I try to get other people to participate, can you help me out? Careful, as it escalates, don't tell them that they're wrong, just say interesting point of view, or if you know what's going to happen, talk to them ahead of time, and again, thank you, that's interesting, appreciate that, you know, that's taking us off course right now, I'll get you that information at a later time. And remember this phase that apology is cheap, if someone's getting angry, upset, they start yelling, just say, hey, I'm sorry, it was not my intent. Well, then don't do it again. Okay, right? And just let it diffuse. Let it diffuse because you're not in a place where you could be yelling and throwing things at other people. I know you feel like doing that, but you can't do that. And as you know, probably on this show, we're big Seinfeld fans, and it was Kramer, that's his name, Michael Richards, who was being heckled at a comedy club, and he went racial. I mean, he said some things that, uh, wow. And, of course, it was recorded, and he hasn't really worked since. You gotta be careful. I remember working with Robert Allen. He does nothing down, multiple streams of income. He's in the middle of this big close, this protege program, and this guy comes up wanting an autograph. And he's like, hey, I'm right in the middle of a close here, right? And just had fun with it. I know one of the students in my class, the heckler was looking and looking, and the, the speaker and got up and started walking towards the, the presenter. He said, Betty Sue from high school, remember me? Right? That would be under the clueless category. And it's sometimes it's simple. You know what? I'm giving a speech right now. Can we catch up later and call people out? And then show them in a way where it's not backing them into a corner. That could be the baby crying, the cell phone ringing. I remember this this man, this woman, they're all kind of lovey-dovey. This is a seminar. I didn't think much of it until the wife walked in. And, of course, anger, <laughs> things were said and... I just thought it was a good time to take a break and then have him leave the room because wherever he left, she was going to follow and got back into control. And some things, it could even be a thing like a topic. I don't know if this is really considered a heckler, but I was speaking in Chicago to a travel board, a big meeting, and luckily I was there before the speaker in front of me. It was all on Chicago and child prostitution in Chicago. I had no idea, but wow, talk about a topic that 
it's important, but it still sucks the life out of the room. People had no idea it was a challenge, and of course, I'm next. Woohoo! Right, try to start off with humor. Now, if I would have started with humor, not knowing what that topic was, I wouldn't have got a very good response. And so I had to slowly build into it. I had everyone to stand up, take a break, take a deep breath. We're switching gears. Sometimes it could be the previous speaker that can be a potential heckler or something that throws you off course. This is real. It happens, and it's something we really need to understand. The way you deal with the angry person, the heckler, the annoying question, the person with no filter, the way you deal this will make or break you as a persuader. Because if you attack them at the wrong point, then you lost all credibility with your audience. If you get mad and upset and say mean things at the wrong point, I'll tell you at the right point here in a second, you're losing credibility, so you got to be very, very careful. Even though instinctively you want to say it or do it, you can't. Unless you get to stage three. All right, this stage three is it's time to confront, take a class vote, call security, give them a refund, whatever you need to do. This is when you feel your audience is on your side. That's the difference. They're upset with this person. It's not nice what they're doing to you. The audience will turn to be on your side. Because when you get stage one heckles, the audience is like, ooh, I wonder how they're going to handle that. Right? It's kind of interesting. It's intriguing. But now they're just tired of it. They just want to move on. And it happens. I know in New York City, we've called security. I know <laughs> this is relatively new in my speaking career. I walked to this room, and it just reeked of urine. I mean, eye-watering bad. And we finally figured out it was a guy sitting towards the back just smelled. I don't know what the deal was, but it was affecting everybody in the room. So I let my staff know that, all right, it's time. And they tapped him on the shoulder and say, uh, there's a message for you. Message for me? Well, yeah, I'll tell I'm here. Well, the message was, you got to go home because you smell. And it's it's really distracting the whole audience. And the audience was actually happy that that happened. It was done in a polite way, as, at least as polite as you can. And that was something that helped the rest of the room. Or here was an example. I had probably 100 people on this webinar. And this lady unmuted herself. And she had been kind of, had a few venom heckles just here and there. Just not too bad, but I could tell something was up. And then she unmuted herself. She says, look, Kurt. I speak for the whole group. You're way off course. I don't even know why you're talking about this. You should be focusing on this, this, and this. This is what you need to do. I'm like, okay, my natural reaction is like, look, lady. <laughs> but you can do that, right? You just can't. And I just opened it up to the group. I said, oh, okay, well, let's throw it out to the class. Let's see what they think. And it was wonderful. They yelled at her. They called her the B word. She hung up. And we moved on because the audience was on my side. Okay, so when you talk about audience intervention or that annoying question, or I mean, it could be anywhere from that baby crying to the heart attack to a fire alarm to bad food to the temperature in the room to cell phones going off, you name it. Those are more on the clueless side, but there's always the people out there, even in the workplace, who are going to try to make you look bad, have that one question to put you on the spot, trying to get you to turn red. Whatever it is, you stay in control. Have a smile on your face. Use humor if you can. I'd say 80% of the time, you're on stage one. Just in control, smile, humor, work with it. It makes all the difference in the world. So, Brad, I hope that answered your questions. It happens. It's real. I know it's not fair. I know it's, you don't want to be teased. It's hard enough to get up there and present or be put on the spot or get that difficult question, but just stay in control. Just stay in control. Smile, ignore, respond with humor. Whatever you need to do to stay in control and let them know that it's not bothering you and you're moving on. Remember, teasing, they want a reaction. Don't get them a reaction.
And don't put fuel to the fire either. I mean, there's things you should never say to a heckler or to anybody that is guaranteed to blow up in your face. Things like, well, you wouldn't understand. Well, that's none of your business. What do you want me to do about it? Why don't you calm down? <laughs> okay, I don't think that's ever worked in the history of the world. What's your problem? Why don't you be reasonable? You shouldn't be upset. I think, I think you know where we're going with this. So don't put any fuel in the fire to say things like that. That will just increase your heckles, and you'll probably have to go down to stage two, maybe even stage three. So, Brad, that was a great question. That's real for anybody. Whether you're in a meeting, one-on-one over the phone, in a presentation, doing a webinar, these are things we always have to deal with, especially when you influence up. Somebody has a big ego or a lot of authority. They want to prove their worth. It also happens, too, if you get a room full of uh, lawyers or even accountants that are trying to prove their worth and show that they're going to find all the holes and all the errors and all the mistakes. Right? In control. Deep breath, in control. Take a break if you need one. All right, again, thanks, Brad, for that question. Anybody else who has questions, go to Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com for comments, derogatory remarks, better jokes, better Urkel sounds I'll even take as we go through this and help you become better at influence. Remember, we're also on Pinterest and Facebook at Maximize Your Influence and Instagram at Max Influence. And also on iTunes, make sure you like the podcast, let everyone know about it. We will continue to do this. Next week, we'll have a great interview. I'm not even going to tell you who it is, but I do think we still need to do the blunder. Homer, go. Go, go, go. So this one's going to be awarded to the person with the most blunders on the show, and that would be me. (laughs) And this happened to me in St. Louis. And it's those things that we know better, but we just kind of don't deal with giving a presentation to a large audience. And I get there, the first challenge was some thought it started at 8. I got there at 8.30 thinking it started at 9. And some people thought it started at 9. And others even thought it started at 8.30. So it was kind of a little mass hysteria. A lot of people were sitting there. So I started right when I got there at 8.30. And then people came in at 9. Even though technically not my issue because it was organized by somebody else. You still got to take the brunch. You still have to apologize. You can make people angry and upset. But the one thing I should have fixed that I didn't, this company had the silent fire alarm going off. I don't know if you've seen those in hotels or schools before. They just flash this bright light every one or two seconds. And they were saying, oh, they'll turn it off soon. They'll turn it off soon. But it kept going. I could tell it was really starting to bother the audience. So people's eyes were starting to turn red. And, and they kept saying, oh, it'll turn off. And I go, can't we do something? Can we unplug them or unscrew them from the wall or something? They said, no, that's, that's illegal. So about uh, a half hour in, they were still going in. I just went in over to their little breakfast uh, buffet there. They had these really, uh, they were red napkins of all things. So I got about five red napkins, and I just got a bunch of masking taped and taped over the two that were in the room. Got a little cheer. They were grateful for it. It was still another hour plus before they turned them off, so it's a good thing that we did. But even though they considered it illegal, that saved the day because... You know, I think that's going to get me in trouble sometimes. Because even when the fire alarm does go off, I tell people, oh, it's just a false alarm. Just just stay seated. When I don't know, it's always been a false alarm my whole life. <laughs> so I always assume it's going to be a false alarm. So if you ever find me in jail for keeping people in a room when there's a fire, that's that's exactly what happened. It might be the, the real one. Maybe I need to be a little more careful. So any distractions in the room, as a presenter, you need to take care of as soon as possible. If it's the heat if it's too cold, if it's light glaring through the window, if it's an annoying person, it's a person that smells, if it's music next door, whatever it is, 
Even if it's not your fault, they're going to look to you as a presenter to take care of it, and that's something that you have to do. And I took too long to do it. I guess I didn't want to break the law, but I covered them up, and we moved on, and then everything worked out. This ends podcast 191, talking about handling the heckler and audience control. We've got a great guest lined up next week. We're not going to tell you until next week who that is. And I am the blunder of the week. But if you have your own blunders or persuasion, then just let me know. Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Like us on iTunes. Master these skills and go out and persuade with power.